Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Welcome to the next episode of Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. How you doing, Jeremy? Yeah, good, mate. It's been a fun week. We actually got some sun here this week, so I've done a few Teams meetings on the the deck. Wow. Laying down, which has been great. We had a couple of 70-degree days. Great. Go for a walk. A little sunburn on the top of my head, and we also had snow flurries. So (laughs) welcome to living in in the world where they have four different seasons all in one week. We have a, a, a nice show this week, packed with news, and um, I'm gonna, rather than go Microsoft, then community, we're going to mix and match because things kind of tie together. But the first thing we found was a, an update to the Graph Toolkit that uh, our buddy Nicola has been working on. They have a new Teams Channel Picker web component. So I haven't seen this yet, but I think you were showing it recently, right, in the community call? Yeah. So we, we had our monthly community call for Microsoft Graph. So if you're not attending that, it's every, the first Tuesday of every month at 8 a.m. Pacific time. So, And uh, they've started to build out more web components. And so the one that they've picked on is Teams, obviously, with just the momentum that we're seeing around people developing things. And they've done a really, really good job of that picker. They've worked with a bunch of different partners. So Nicola and... Beth and Elise and Nicholas, there's a whole team of them, uh, Shane as well. Um, they've been working on this stuff and it's exactly what I'd want from a picker. You know, like you start typing, it starts listing all the different channels. Um, when you select the channel, you know, nicely in the picker explain, you know, renders it with the team name and the channel name. So, you know, the context, they've just done a really great job of it. Um, and so again, like all of the Microsoft Graph Toolkit web components, super easy to snap into the page and they have the different playgrounds where you can go play with the components and configure them without even embedding them in your app. So um, yeah, go check that out. And Beth Pan did a great demo in the community call where she kind of walked through that and some of the new updates in 1.2 around templating that they've done. And also a cool feature, which plays into the next thing we're going to talk about, which um, in the MGT-get component, uh, which basically allows you to put any graph call into it, provide a template and it will render the JSON response from that API into your into the component. They've added a polling rate attribute on it. So say you wanted to poll on a one second basis back to the presence API, you could do that and the web component would refresh automatically for you with that data, whether they were busy away or available. Um, so that's really cool that they're adding all these different things to make the components more more useful, which is great. Yeah, I like that idea, having pull on, on stuff. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so like maybe at a document list or, a, you know, like it would just be able to instantly refresh without you having to write code to go do it yourself. So again, they, they're speaking to a lot of partners and they're getting a lot of feedback on GitHub. So it's just great to see it maturing as a as a web component collection yeah and you know with the it just occurred to me that you know there's some things when i create a new team for example there's the quote instant on stuff that some things happen right away but some there's a delay in some other uh, pieces of the of the service so i can imagine trying to pull waiting for that to happen we kind of hinted at that with instant last week uh, around that uh you know being able to pull on something so letting them do that for me automatically without having to try to that code is great stuff i like that yeah, yeah. And then the other thing on the community call, actually, um, Isaac Levin, who is in uh, marketing, actually, on the developer side of the housing marketing, um, has built a 
basically an open source Windows 10 app, WPF, that connects his Philips Hue. I don't know if that's the right way you say it. Philips Hue light bulb. And so it changes color when your presence changes inside of Teams. And so in the in the community call, like he walks through the code and explains the logic of how it's just calling the presence API using RSDK, using MSAL to authenticate into WPF app. And obviously the user consents that the app has access to the presence API. And again, he's polling every second to change the color of the Hue light bulb, which is really cool. There was definitely some things that came up. It is in beta, so there's still things that are evolving. You can only call it with delegated permissions right now. You can't call it with application permissions, um, which is fine for this use case. But if you wanted like a timer job, daemon app doing something, there you know that flow really doesn't work just yet. It does require admin consent to consent to get your own presence. And so um, Yina actually was on the call and jumped in and said, hey, we're, we're revisiting the requirement around admin consent because obviously that is quite a significant brick wall um, for most developers to be able to do things with it. Um, in NMSIT, actually, Isaac went through the process and requested it and they consented and turned it around in 24 hours. So it wasn't a hard no from our own internal IT. But, you know, again, it's we know we understand the friction admin consent has and we only want to put it in place where it's really, really needed. So we're just revisiting that decision as part of the beta process. And then the other thing was um, he was polling. Um, it would be much more efficient for his app and for our service uh, if it just let the app know when it changed via a webhook. Yina also mentioned that she'd been having discussions with the PMs driving that API and that um, they will be shortly releasing um, webhooks for presence as well. That's great. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And with uh, I, I like most, I'm sure on on all over the social media, all kinds of folks are hacking together. I, um, biz, you know, free busy lights for or whatever for their for their brand new offices at home. <laughs> it's, I I didn't realize how many different. Yeah, I didn't realize how many different brands of lights there are. Like Todd Clint's using something. Uh, Elio Struth is using a Raspberry Pi with something I'd never even heard of before, and. Matthias Hawkstra is doing like Embrother lights and Sage is using a Yi light. So all the links are in the show notes and it's great. They've all open sourced them. I mean, ultimately it's the same thing from a graph side. It's just how you communicate back to those various different light implementations. Yeah. When I've seen things like this before being a, de- a developer, you see these, you know, wacky components you can just buy and, and solder the wires together yourself and make it work. But even the Philips Hue, I mean, that's a consumer. I buy one at Home Depot and plug it in at home and make that work. That's really bringing it to, to more and more people. So that's a great sample that. Uh, and, and Isaac has shipped the, I don't know what WPF packages are called these days. I know for a point it was MSIX, but it's a downloadable X, uh, that will install his app on your machine. It's a wizard. It's like a UI. So you, it'll go find your Hue light for you. Um, originally, which was really funny, he said that he just had it configured to his hub and it changed every Philips Hue light in his entire house. And obviously his <laughs> wife got pretty annoyed at that. And so he had to add a feature to pick a particular light bulb to change color, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, you know, that's a common problem because uh, uh, I have a couple of, I don't know, Philips lights, but a couple. In, and by default, when I used the Amazon Assistant to do it, it was doing every light <laughs> in the whole hub. So I, so I had to do the same thing, right? So uh, I can see uh, that, that happening. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's definitely useful in these times where everyone's working from home. And although I'm pretty sure even if my 
light was red outside my door that Scarlet would just come in anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> kick on the door until I unlock it, the usual stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, exactly right. Yeah, but that's cool. But, you know, we talked a bit about webhooks there. So I found a, a, a link that uh, ended up out. The Microsoft 365 developer Twitter account posted a video of web, webhooks and connectors that kind of tie into the presence. And, you know, and we had a full whole session on that last week with Vincent. But um, this is a and, and the, the it's a training video. Um, the, the voice you'll recognize most people will doing the training. So it's not necessarily you know the latest and greatest video, but it, it has got some date age on it. But the concepts are all the same. You still register for the notifications and validate it. So that's all uh, good stuff to see. So put that link in there as well. Yeah, it's handy. Like we kind of um, we use AC Andrew Connell as a a vendor on a bunch of training content. So if you haven't looked at any of the Microsoft Learn content, we consciously made the decision to do that as an outsource venture with um, Andrew so that we had that kind of additional level of kind of scrutiny on the technology and how it's presented by a real trainer. And um, it's a great way to learn all the tech. And we've got a bunch of Microsoft Learn modules in our Microsoft Graph Associate uh, course that you can take. One of them's on webhooks and there's another one on deltas and someone like just using basic APIs like users and calendars and stuff. So, and you know, obviously more advanced stuff around throttling. So please go and check that out if you want like a, a good structured learning way of tackling the graph. Yeah, good, great stuff in there. All right, the next link is, is a, a whole mouthful. It is a link to a GitHub repo for Microsoft Teams Meetings <laughs> app for learning management system, which um, is a mouthful. But what struck me on this is that they have code buried in this project that will let you create a Teams meeting link in code and then you know do your own like sharing of that so i'm sure this is a quite common request these days but imagine not only can an app um you know get information from your calendar but what if you want to create a team's meeting and so this lets you then using the api call in and get that or generate a link and then they should they go ahead and share it within the, the application so so yet another way for folks to get the collaboration stuff they need to going in in their in their own app and you can envision you know doing this with presence and only do the link if everyone's free right i can or finding right. the time and stuff so very real cool stuff there it's a great like i said it's a, it's a full app and it's a it's a lot of a lot of code um a, a, a react a typescript react application so even if you don't need that one little bit maybe learning how they how others write code. I like to say you can always learn something from reading someone else's code. So that's a great little system to go dig into. Yeah, that's cool. There's always good little tidbits to see in these open source projects as well that you can, you know, reuse and borrow for sure. Um, the next link I found was a video from Microsoft that covers creating collections on the My Apps portal. And if you uh, use uh, what I call the sweet bar, I'm not sure if that's the original name, but at the very, very top of your Office 365 web page on the top left, there is the, the tic-tac-toe or the waffle icon. And when applications can be shown <laughs> up there and, and it, a companion to that is in Azure Active Directory, you can... All the apps that you've registered can be surfaced into the um, uh, My Apps page for all your users. And this is a video that goes through on how to set up collections on this to to organize them in certain ways, you know, for, for different groups in your organization. So, it's not, again, it's kind of a refresher of things that you could do uh, that maybe you don't have to write any code on or you didn't know it was there or you forgot it was there. So I, I thought that was a great, great video. 
Where will that show up, Paul? Is that showing up in the like office.com or in the all apps view? When you first click on the icon, you get the banner on the on the top, on the left hand side. So that's not yeah. my apps necessarily. But yeah. when you when you click in to go through into um, all apps um, or explore your apps, then you get this new page, and and it looks different whether you come in from the office page or from a SharePoint page, or you could actually type in myapps.microsoft.com. I think is the link and see them there. So uh, okay. uh, yeah, and so uh, having the ability here to again. So, so for example, what I did is office.com and I clicked on my apps and it shows the Office 365 apps and then it's got a, a, a selection for all apps. But so you can envision uh, maybe I don't use all of the Office 365 apps, right? The bookings, for example, I don't use that, but maybe I want to organize these for my organization a little bit better. So it's, uh, again, yeah, helpful really for nice. folks. Yeah, because, again, people now, how many people are working in the browser now because they're not in the office? Right. And and this is a lot of overwhelming stuff. So I thought that was helpful. Well, I've been tending to use the browser just because the most new features come to all the office clients and teams in the browser, not the clients. But yeah, so I clicked on the waffle app launcher, tic-tac-toe, and then clicked all apps and then clicked explore your apps. And that took me to www.office.com slash apps, which you're right. It's showing me all of the different apps, but then underneath I have a Microsoft group, where it looks like it's cherry pick particular web applications like we have an internal HR site and an IT site and a legal site and a benefit site and so forth. So it's actually really cool. I mean, it's a great way of if you've got these web applications you've built that are, you know, registered in Azure AD that are using a graph and whatnot, that you can promote them there. So there's more to it as well. If you go to myapps.microsoft.com, you end up on a page that will then show apps registered in your directory. Right. Right. So session eyes is in our directory and a custom, uh, you know, Lewis link, uh, link to, to that stuff that has been registered in the directory. Graph Explorer even shows up in there as well because it's been consented in our, in our dev environment. Right. So this is, again, there's lots of places where apps can be surfaced through Azure Active Directory, things that are going on. And so I want, again, this was really not necessarily a developer task, but no, hey, these right. are all the kind of things that are, are, are possible there. So I thought that was a good idea. I think also it's a good way of like giving users the ability to see everything they've consented to with this identity. Um, yeah. I mean, if I go look at my Microsoft account, I have got hundreds of things I've consented to. Um, and so this is a great way of being like, Ooh, I actually don't want this thing to have access to my um, account or what consent did I give it other than, you know, my profile name and profile photo. So these things are great things to train your IT and also for your own sake to clean things up as you go. And there's no shame in having a developer tenant with apps called Web Application 1, Web Application 2, Web Application oh, absolutely 10. Not. <laughs> that right there is called creativity pool. <laughs> yeah. and, and on a somewhat related note, I was uh, uh, kicking around in, in the PNP samples directory for the web parts, and I came across uh, one that's Joe Mendez wrote, which is what he's calling my personal apps. And this is a SharePoint web 
SPFX web part that does a similar kind of functionality. In his example, he's reading a SharePoint list of my apps. So the idea, of course, could be maybe I want to do some personalization on the SharePoint homepage or department page or whatever the case may be. And so it's a similar kind of concept where we're getting a list of apps and putting them front and center. So again, I wanted to at least call out a, a P&P sample that, that has uh, been deployed recently. Uh, last commit was uh, two hours ago, actually, as we're recording. So lots of stuff happening there. So a nice uh, kind of tie-in with maybe, maybe it's not all the apps that I need for for my organization, but for a user, I want to do a similar kind of thing. So nice stuff there. Yeah, it's cool. And there's a lot of goodness in that SP Dev FX web parts uh, repo that um, is driven by PNP. So that's cool. And the, one of the new moderators of that repo is Hugo Bernier. And I hope, uh, sorry if I mispronounce that, Hugo, you'll get to join the, the elite ranks of folks whose names I've, I've screwed up. <laughs> um, so Hugo posted a new sample called an Adaptive Cards Host. And so, which I'm glad I found it because, you know, I had done an Adaptive Card Host of, in SharePoint at a dev kitchen years back, and it was terrible, right? It looked ter- It looked like you'd expect me to design something because, you know, I can't design. And so, um, but Hugo posted this one that will then let you, you know, put it, he actually integrated the, the Monaco editor or like the web control that lets you, it's kind of like what you see when you're doing a Visual Studio online code editing. So he has a nice JSON editor wrapped in as the web part and let you put in your adaptive card JSON and or data and do the templating. So it's all wrapped up into a, a SharePoint web part that you can then put on any page and and uh, use that capability as well. So great stuff there by Hugo. I wanted to call that one out last because that kind of leads into our host, our guests for this week's show. David Clow returned along with his colleague Matt Heidinger, and they talked about adaptive cards and the, kind of the state of the union, if you will, since uh, the last show. David was on a year, over a year ago, so. Uh, nice of them to catch up. So, so you, uh, I presume you've you've seen a bunch of the new stuff that's that's rolled out, right? Yeah, I, I'm really kind of excited from the perspective of how this maps with the graph and templating, and so it's great to see like a, a sister team that's driving this for so many different partners internally are leveraging this tech, um, and the fact that graph can leverage it in their presentation layer stuff is really exciting too. And two super smart guys as well. It's been fun working with them on various different things internally yeah and and they they point us to a bunch of different uh, things happening and initiatives going on and stuff that's got leads a lot of potential for developers and obviously in this little uh, lull between the uh, big events that microsoft hosted you know they didn't they obviously aren't telling us everything that we're going to see but they did allude that build, build is coming and there's some stuff in beta and there's stuff uh, rolling out and a bunch of stuff is in github so you can actually see what's coming so it's great stuff and it was great to have the two of them on and and talk about one of those it's one of those technologies that excites me you know i just need to get a login card in an adaptive cards and i'll be <laughs> i'll be in heaven right <laughs> good to go yeah. <laughs> so so that's what we found this week so i hope you all find it helpful and uh, as always keep up the community contributions folks if you see anything uh, mention us on twitter or reach out to us and we'll certainly highlight with the stuff that we find and again any tech that you think you want to learn more about i'm happy to chase someone down and uh, we'll go from there Cool. Thanks, Paul. Bye. This week on the podcast, we have a couple of folks from the Adaptive Cards team. We have David Clow and Matt Heidinger. Yeah, nice. I hope I said that right, Matt. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, yeah, so Matt was on the community call and I heard someone else introduce him. So I, I'm notorious for butchering <laughs> last names on the podcast. So welcome, welcome back, David, and welcome Matt to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having us. Well, first time for you, Matt, on the podcast. Can you give us a quick intro of who you are, what you do, what's your role at, the, at Microsoft? Yeah, sure. So I'm a program manager at Microsoft. Uh, been here almost seven years. And for the last uh, coming up on four years, I think this summer, uh, David and I have been working together on a product called Adaptive Cards. All right. And so welcome back, David. And why don't you refresh people? What, uh, what do you, what's your role? Yeah. So I'm David Klo. I've uh, been with Microsoft for uh, more than 14 years now. And uh, I've worked on plenty of things, including APIs, Exchange, uh, web services, uh, Outlook web app. And yeah, more recently, for the last few years with Matt, extensively on adaptive cards. Excellent. And so for those who are for the first time getting around, I would remind folks who did a, David and I did a, a podcast on this. It was February of 2019. So it's well over a year ago. And we introduced adaptive cards back then so i encourage folks to go find that episode in the archives and listen to it you can hear me gush on and on about how i love adaptive cards and and focus you know, I, I always joke uh, they only give me eight crayons in my box because i'm terrible at ui so adaptive <laughs> cards is perfect for me and and so um in the in the preceding year i know there's been several new releases of the adaptive cards you know system i guess you will or products so so can you give us like a state of the state? What, what versions are we at now? Where, where can I see these in action? Uh, so we, we're at uh, 1.2 now, uh, and I think you can see them in action and use them for yourself in Teams because I believe all Teams clients are now on 1.2. If that's not the case, it's going to be the case soon. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, well, yeah, there were a couple of uh, pretty cool features in there, uh, a new type of action called toggle visibility that makes it possible to show and hide portion of the card. We also have a very cool fallback model that's, uh, that came in preparation for, you know, future releases and making sure that uh, one single card payload could be backwards compatible. So a bunch of things that, uh, that are super useful, we think. Great. And now the, the from what I remember from last time we chatted, right, there was a, a lot of uh, differences in the Outlook rendering. Is is that still the case or is it getting closer? Can you speak to that at all? Yeah. So there are still a few differences in uh, the uh, Outlook version of Adaptive Cards, the actionable message feature. Uh, we are really striving to eliminate those differences. And for that matter, in 1.2, there's another feature that we've introduced that we uh, call the bleeding, which makes it possible to create uh, headers with a background image or color that actually bleeds to the edges of the card. This was something that was notoriously impossible before and that Outlook found a solution for that was non-standard. And so with that, Outlook should be able to move away from the non-standard solution and actually support the official feature um, you know, bringing more compatibility uh, into the real world. Which is good to see, right? It's having separate separate uh, approaches as a developer is always kind of interesting. Absolutely. And so now the, the, one of the things that excites me about this, well, a little bit, I'm excited to see the template, the templating capability come a little, a little sad because I wrote my own back in the day for our product, but the templating capability of adaptive cards. Can one of you give us an example or a description of what that, re what that is and what that means to developers? 
Yeah, I could take a stab at it. So we, we've we had some good progress on templating. I know Dave and I probably introduced it uh, maybe like a year and a half ago at Build or something like that, or at Ignite. And uh, really, it's about the separation of data and the presentation of the card so that you can really create these reusable card templates and then fill them with data later. So if you have a restaurant card and you want to fill it with data dynamically, we really wanted to make that possible. And you rolled your own, tons of people rolled their own at some point we had a uh, i think we called it razorback one of the developers on our team used uh net um cshtml files so the razor from asp.net pages and you could kind of create cards with that and lots of people had their own ways of of building a card dynamically because that's really you know the card you can build in the designer we have a great design time tooling but then when you want to really fill that with data you are kind of on your own so templating uh enables that and we're finally close to releasing it. We haven't publicly announced any deadlines, but I think the safest thing to say is the build conference is still uh, coming up. Uh, that's usually a good opportunity for us to announce certain things. Um, so I'd say just kind of stay tuned for for that. Uh, the good news is it'll be coming on a preview shortly, and it's also getting quite a bit more powerful. Um, so we've introduced uh, a standard expression layer that is built upon the logic apps expression layer so the same expressions you can do in things like power platform uh, will work in your adaptive card templates which gives you hundreds and hundreds of functions that you can really start to do if you don't have access to change the data in your card so we're really excited to finally get that out to, to people yeah so what, what would that mean right so when i first started kicking the tires the the uh, templating was kind of like data, what I call data binding, yeah. right? For those of us who did ASP.NET version one, right? So I can do data binding and get stuff to work. But what is this uh, uh, expressions or, or programming language that you're referring to? Where would I use that? Yeah, so expressions are, you know, very typical stuff. Like you need to display a decimal as currency, uh, you want to round it to two. So if you think of even Excel functions or I want to take this data and make it to upper or to lower or substring or anytime you think you might want to format the data before presenting it there, that's the simplest case. And there's more advanced cases, for example, like conditionals. So I may want to hide this text block if a certain value is met or, or do certain things like that. So you can do basic programmatic constructs such as conditionals looping and and things like that to make your template uh, a lot more powerful and support a wider range of input data types. Yeah, and in our preview uh, release of the templating stuff so far, we've been relying on an in, uh, in-house built expression uh, engine, which was working, but which was like like far, far, far behind when it comes to capabilities, including the number of uh, supported functions and whatnot, like having standardized on that new uh, expression uh, language and SDK essentially, which we call adaptive expressions. I think we can say that uh, that's that's going to be a big plus for uh, for our, our users. Yeah, as a developer, I don't want to learn something new, right? So I, I totally am on board with that. And that kind of, you know, that led me to think you mentioned that's like the logic app expression or something in some of the documentation I've seen in, the, in GitHub, it references the like bot framework. So has has that been 
Describe for me the work, the, the type of work when you have to go talk to these other teams and, and agree on something. Is, is that hard? Is it fun? Is it difficult? Is it fast? All yes. of the above. I'm curious to get a little peek in <laughs> yeah, behind yeah, the curtain. Just, yeah. yeah. It's one of those. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, both David and I in different areas are routinely, you know, it, it's it's the, the cool thing is this one Microsoft push is is a new era. And it, so it is a lot easier and a lot more exciting to do any of that. And I, I will add credit where credit's due, even adaptive expressions. Uh, this was discovered by reading GitHub. Re I was on the bot frameworks GitHub and I saw they had this really neat expression stuff in their LG format that is a declarative format for building language files, which had adaptive cards. And I was like, oh, what is this? Previously it was called common expressions. And we reached out to them. David and I kicked off some some meetings with their team and we said, hey, this seems like something we should uh, all invest in together. Hence, we renamed it to adaptive expressions. It fits really well with adaptive cards. And and, you know, that was how that particular one played off. Um, David can maybe explain some other scenarios where we've done some of that, too. That was a happy outcome. <laughs> I mean, it fits super well in, in, in the adaptive card model because adaptive card was also one of those one Microsoft efforts, you know, where plenty of teams basically were like all super enthusiastic about uh, a tech that would do what adaptive cards does because they had that need internally. And when it comes to expressions, yeah, why reinvent the wheel? It would have been a mistake. Uh, it's great that Matt actually discovered that uh, particular uh, library and, and effort and that we've been able to to standardize and that it was i would say not so difficult to convince people because everybody actually wants to share technologies these days that's a that's a big difference with the the microsoft of olden days yeah absolutely yes so well thank you and, and I, I look forward to kicking the tires on that adapt expression so yeah. that that um i can see let me see how that works the, the other newer thing that has come across my radar and i know this was on a couple of community calls uh, in the in the past is the what i call the template service but i think you have a different name for that and so matt i know you just did a community call so we're, we're what we love to go deeper if we into the tech if we can around that so can you give us uh what is this template service and and what is its goals and start there yeah sure i mean so i i i'm uh more of a i don't get as many podcasts in me as i as i'd like to um but you guys are obviously them through 65 dev podcasts so you're certainly aware of the community calls but yeah every uh second thursday of the month we do an adaptive cards community call um the last three have been focused on uh it's been an intern project so it's been a, a proof of concept type thing it, it, that's more what we call the this private template service which is uh, i guess i'll just clarify is that the one you're referring to or do you mean the public template service which would we'd we'd also kick the tires on before that well i'm referring to the the github repo that i maybe i can stand at my own and 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 work with it but obviously anything yeah. you want to get the word out that devs you might find <laughs> helpful is certainly worthwhile <laughs> yeah i mean so the template service we've been using it as a, a test bed i guess or like a proving ground so it's certainly in like proof of concept phase but it really helps us explore what can we do with these templates. There's certain things that are unique to adaptive cards that are different than other UI languages. And they're simple things like the fact they're expressed in JSON. Well, the whole world speaks JSON and there are these, these files that you can just host in GitHub and then a simple service can just expose them or even help you find uh, templates for a data type. So the first 
feature we added to the template service, uh, which you can play with. So if you go to adaptivecards.io and click on documentation under the templating section, which by the way, I'll add everything on adaptive cards is at adaptivecards.io. It's a completely open source project uh, where we have things that are released and things that are a little more long pole and, and experimental, which is what the template service is. But yeah, it lets you literally post in a data type. We do some machine learning i just put that in air quotes you won't you won't get that in the video but it is it is literally just a bunch of for loops that loops over your your data to see hey do we have a template that matches that data uh, and this i think it's at a really neat world where look i'm trying to display some stock data i'm trying to display maybe some data i got from the graph you know couldn't we just say hey do you have a good way to present this rather than me having to create the ui in my app so that's what the template service lets us again kind of kick the tires on yeah and paul at the beginning you were saying you're not a ui developer this is not the kind of stuff that you like to do so adaptive card helps you do that because you can very easily define a little piece of UI with that declarative JSON, but what if you didn't even have to do that? That's the idea behind the yeah. template service. You have to manipulate data anyway, right? What if we could just give you an adaptive card payload for that particular data that would simply just work? You just have to render it. No need to do UI anymore. And because adaptive cards is a cross-platform, always native technology, you can actually use those templates, because that's what they are, across all your applications, regardless of the language or the platform that you're targeting. Yeah, so now, you know, I want to dig a little deeper in what you just hinted at there. You said, you know, it's native UI, and, and we've talked about how Teams and Bot Frameworks support them, but where where do you get this native? What, what does this native UI mean? Let's start there. Yeah, so Adaptive Cards obviously is not HTML, it's not XAML, it's not uh, React Native, it's an abstraction layer to define UI. It's a layout language, if you wish, right? Uh, then each of our SDKs basically translates that into the native UI paradigm that you're using on your platform. So if you're using the Android SDK, it's going to render to the native Android UI platform. If you're using our iOS SDK, it's going to render to UIKit. And obviously, if you're using the JavaScript SDK, it's going to render to HTML. And the same goes for UWP, same goes for WPF with, the, with .NET. So that's that's why it's native. The, the UI is really neat. You're going to get the native look and feel for your controls and so on, which is very important for plenty of applications, which really don't want to have to host a web control just to render UI. And so if I'm a developer and I'm building an application, I want to find the appropriate SDK? Absolutely. You're going to want to, it's, it's going to be up to you, right? You can use the native SDK if that's what you, uh, your, your goal is. Like maybe I'm implementing a native iOS application and I'm already using UIKit. Well, I want to be able to integrate adaptive card you inside that UI and I want to remain native, I can do that. But uh, on the other hand, if I'm already hosting a web browser control in my mobile application, I might want to stick with some JavaScript and HTML technology. So you're, uh, it's up to you which SDK you pick. But in the end, we have you covered basically any platform you choose. Okay. And now if I... I know this is a future state, but is the is the goal to say this SDK would then let me find these cards from this service or, or do that, that logic to match a card with the data type? Or is this a separate thing? Yeah, that's what it is. And Matt can um, basically tell you more on that one, but that's what it is. 
Yeah, the cool thing is you don't necessarily have to know. For example, if you're a Teams developer writing a bot or a messaging extension or plugging into Teams in any way, or you're writing an Outlook actionable message, all you care about is the JSON payload. You read our docs to see, oh, cool, there's a text block. And like you said, you get you get eight crayons. You get a, you get a limited set of colors. You know, you get, it's, it's very easy to make a great card. And that's it. You just deliver it to Teams. You don't have to be, you know, know about any of these SDKs. The flip side of that is, well, Teams does, you know, that card that you wrote as, as, a, as a developer in there, well, if you're on Teams' iPhone app, that's what David's getting at. That renders as native UI kit elements on an iPhone. That same card lands on an Android phone in Teams, and it gets rendered as, uh, an, yeah, an Android phone. Yeah, exactly. It translates to native Android UI. And so they, Teams uses the SDKs, and absolutely, if you're writing your own apps, you would use them as well. So we're kind of in, I guess, like a multi-sided market, uh, if you will. We, we call them card authors and, and host apps. But the ecosystem, uh, depending on you know what part you're in, you'll either use one or both or all of those things. Okay. And then this template service that uh, you were describing before about finding a card that matches my data, is that part of the SDK as well? Or is that a standalone thing? That's just at the JSON level. So that's what's cool. You don't have to be aware. This this thing just says, hey, here's a card for this. You've got the JSON. Now you can send that to Teams. You can send that in an actionable message, or you can render it yourself. And that's when you would uh, use the SDKs. Yeah, and in terms of the code that you need to write, at, at this moment in time, we do not have, uh, you know, invoking the template service and retrieving a template built into our adaptive card SDKs, which we also call renderers. It's very possible that in the future, when all of that will be ironed out and we actually in a position to ship, that that capability will be built in, making it even easier for you as a developer. But right now, you have to make your own calls to the template service according to the protocol that we document. And I'll add just on the service, because I think you touched on it. It is you you can go to uh, I can't remember if we made a short link, but under GitHub slash Microsoft, it's adaptive cards dash templates. And the current status is I, I'll just kind of mention again that it is a proof of concept. The first question we always get is when is it going to be out? Uh, it's good enough that you could definitely host it. Uh, we're working on adding very simple deployed Azure buttons. You actually saw that uh, yesterday at the community call. Um, so what we're really at the state of is the code's fine. It's there. You can deploy it and host it yourself and start using it uh, if you wanted to. But uh, the service itself is not at like a, a general availability. It, which is yeah, which is fine. And actually, you know, the first thing that I thought of when I saw it is, you know, who's going to have the data types that I have, right? We have an a, an app that suits a certain market, so we may have our own yeah. templates that maybe multiple customers want to share, right? So this is all in GitHub, right? I can pull it myself and yeah. whack away. And, you know, interestingly, <laughs> that's what gets at this intern project I alluded to. We don't have a name for it. We've kicked around the adaptive card management system, but that's really targeted at an organization deploying their own template service. It's got many of you, if you've used adaptive cards, are familiar with the adaptive card designer that uh, David is the primary developer on. And it's integrated into this portal where you can add your own data types, add your own uh, cards, and then retrieve them from a back end. Whereas the public template service on GitHub is really about sharing well-known data types like Microsoft Graph templates. You know, there's, there's hundreds, I think, of API calls in the graph now. All of them return some type of data 
data uh, to crowdsource that, you know, how can we get everyone contributing to building like really great cards over that data? But if you're an organization that has your own templates, your own data types, uh, that private template service is more uh, appropriate for that. And you mentioned the designer. I don't think we've gone deep into that in the past show. So what what, what do you mean, David? What does he mean by the, the adaptive card designer? Oh, so yeah, we have that uh, design time experience. Uh, it's a drag and drop experience, essentially, that we uh, continually, uh, um, you know, evolve and, and make better but according to the time that we have to do it. It's in a pretty decent shape, I think, uh, already. And it's also a reusable component. So if you go to adaptivecards.io slash designer, you get that designer experience there. You can craft a card in just a matter of minutes with drag and drop. You can then copy the generated payload, paste that into your own application and get going. If you want to send an actionable message in Outlook, for example, it's a great starting point. Uh, same when you create a bot for Teams. Uh, lately, we've uh, enhanced that designer with a preview support for uh, the templating stuff. So now you can actually author templates in the designer where uh, the values of your properties, like the text property of a text block, can be expressed as an expression that binds to some data fields and makes use of some of the functions that are available in the expression language. A lot more now that we've uh, moved to the adaptive expression stuff. And uh, there's a big update coming up uh, with uh, actually a significant refactor of the SDK, the adaptive card SDK uh, uh, in its uh, in its trail that will uh, improve on that data binding experience designer. And as I was saying, it's a component. So if you want to host that design time experience inside your own application, and I think I've been disconnected. I think I was just saying that the, the designer com uh, is actually a component that you can embed in your uh, own applications. And we have actually have a couple of real uh, cases where that has been done, uh, like uh, Cisco WebEx is, uh, oh, did they actually? No, I think they're... Yeah, they did. They did. Okay. So they integrated with the designer. Uh, you have uh, AdBot, uh, which also makes use of the designer component. Uh, internally, we have a Flow, who has built support for, uh, uh, you know, uh, the designer inside their um, create an adaptive card or send an adaptive card activity. Power Automate. Oh, uh, sorry. Power Automate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm still using the old name. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's so and anybody can do it because it's simply uh, JavaScript NPM package. You just pull it, integrate that, that in, in your own app and, and you're on your way. Yeah, the Power Automate. I think that's such a cool integration. Um, if, if I think maybe two months ago, if you were to pull up the February uh, community call for adaptive cards, if any of this stuff, you know, you're interested in and want to follow along, th those community calls will be a great way to, to get started. But I, I quickly show at the end the Power Automate integration. You have to turn on experimental features right now, but it's really neat. I mean, you can literally design a card right within uh power automate bind it to data it's uh it was really cool that was a lot of yeah yeah really awesome it was a great collaboration with them yeah okay the, yeah the, the i love how the pieces are all coming together that's that's um wonderful stuff to see and so now do you can you give us a little bit of where you see it in the wild uh, i i know obviously I've, I've done some stuff myself but are there uses of it that people have seen inside of microsoft uh, or some product is using it now that people would have come across 
Uh, there's one thing that I'd like to mention because it's, it's kind of the latest uh, internally with uh, with Microsoft experiences. Um, there's a big uh, search effort uh, going on right now. And uh, recently, I think it was at the Ignite, uh, we've announced uh, uh, search connectors, which make it possible for uh, administrators to pool uh, data from external services like ServiceNow into the uh, Substrate Search Index, so into the graph, and then query that uh, uh, with SharePoint, as you know, you would normally search for documents and that kind of stuff. And as part of this effort, uh, they are now rendering search results in the search results page using adaptive cards. And not only that, but they're also to do that. They're also using our templating model with data binding. And on top of that, they've also integrated with the designer experience to make it possible for administrator to customize the visuals for search results. So that's one of the latest you know, integration stories of the, the basically the entire stack inside a very important Microsoft experience. And of course, there's still bots and actionable messages in Outlook and more experiences coming in the future that I'm not necessarily at liberty to talk about right now. It's okay. We'll bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cool thing I love about that search one is that we, we don't get it so much anymore, but you still will get, oh, adaptive cards. It's that thing for, for bots. And it is great for bots. Don't get me wrong. We've got some cool stuff coming. David and I were on a call yesterday. We, we just can't announce yet, but there's some cool stuff coming related to uh, helping deal with this COVID crisis and uh, some some bots around that uh, health scenarios coming on board that are that are heavily taking advantage of adaptive cards. And they showed us a before and after of what their bot did before, where it was very just chat based, very turn centric. Um, so you certainly see it in bots. But I, I love the search scenario and other things where we're, there's just people that are realizing, especially in worlds where there's ML or AI processing, the fact that you can have some service create, it's just so easy to generate this JSON, right? Like so many services build that. And uh, people are starting to realize like, wait, so all I have to do is create this JSON, just like that template service. You just have to find creative ways of creating that, uh, creating that JSON. Uh, I'll another simple example that we added to the template service a little month ago or a couple months ago was for an app that was generating its settings UI. Uh, it's a popular Windows app and they didn't want to have to build the UI manually. They had a JSON schema. So if people are familiar with JSON schema, it's a way of describing the structure of your JSON object like XSD was for XML. And the template service to say, okay, based on that JSON schema, you've told us what properties are required, what's the description, we can actually generate an input form. So with checkboxes and all, and basically generate a, a decent looking settings UI, they just have to update this schema file in one place and never have to uh, touch it again. And you just get a great output. There's one source of truth for these things. So you just start to see all these uh, people thinking very creatively by the fact, it's, it's very simple that the, it's, just because it's serialized in JSON, it makes it a lot easier to to think a little creatively about these things. Yeah, I love the I love that approach, right? Because if I'm building an app, the last thing I want to do is spend a lot of money on settings, right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> people yeah. use it the first day and never again, right? It, yeah, absolutely. There's another cool use. Well, cool. It's more than cool uh, in this particular case, but I'd, I'd like to mention that uh, because it's very apropos. Uh, the CDC coronavirus self checker uh, that has been introduced recently and developed really quickly has actually been implemented on top of the web chat control and, and is itself a bot that makes use of an app 
adaptive card. So I, I think this is a good uh, example of how fast you can deliver an experience that users can interact uh, with uh, uh, using uh, the bot framework, using that reusable web chat control, and of course, the power of adaptive cards. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and hopefully, it's it's going to be useful to a, a lot of people. I, it certainly is. And so, uh, the, again, I, I can't contain my excitement on this. Uh, it's great, great work. And I, I, love, I love what I've seen so far. And I'm excited for the stuff that you are hinting at. So, we'll certainly want to <laughs> circle back in the next semester, if you will, to get that. So, in the interim, if folks want to, you mentioned the Adaptive Cards that IO website. Uh, is there a, a Twitter handle or a GitHub repo that would be interesting to our developer audience? Uh, there's no Twitter handle. There's a GitHub repo at just GitHub slash Microsoft slash Adaptive Cards. And you can find me on Twitter uh, at Matt Heidinger. How about you, David? Are you on the social media if people want to bother you, or is it you're too busy writing code? We should leave you alone. <laughs> I, 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 I happen to have a Twitter uh, handle as well, but quite honestly, it's it's not very lively. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I would be much more uh, reachable uh, in GitHub indeed. Yeah, and in fact, when I when I first saw the templating stuff, I had had reached out uh, on the GitHub issues, and and you got me unblocked. So yeah, that's great, great stuff. So thanks again, guys, and and it's wonderful technology, and I appreciate you both coming on to give us what's going on here, and we'll certainly get all these links gathered into the web show notes so that all of you can uh, watch the old recordings and learn more about the tech. So thanks a lot, guys. Right. Thanks so thanks much, so much. for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 